Hello and welcome to Resourceful, stories from the site, proudly brought to you by Resources Unearthed. At Resources Unearthed, we help executives, professionals and business owners in mining and resources to be successful both personally and professionally. We've created this podcast to help you in your employment or business, and we'll be chatting to people who have a proven track record of success in the industry. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome to Resourceful Stories from the Site. If you're one of our regular listeners, you'll notice that I'm not your usual host, Brett Cribb. My name is Maddie Dagg, and I'm the new business manager here at Resources Unearthed. In previous episodes, we've explored some of our clients' most memorable stories from the site. Stories like Ian Goodwin's penguin cleanup effort, to Richard Morland's Elmer Fudd encounter, John Landmark's German Shepherd bail-up, and Laura Tyler's tyre-sniffing superintendent, just to name a few. What we haven't done is talked about stories from our site. So today, I have James Marshall with me, and we're going to explore some of our most memorable stories. Today's story is our version of the penguins being covered in oil, or the sewerage being run over by a truck. And while this one might not be quite as funny, it is a fascinating cautionary tale, and one that will be relevant to many in our community, particularly the expatriates among us, and those who participate in executive share schemes. So, without further ado, please welcome James, and thank you for joining me. To start with, could you please introduce yourself and your role within Resources Unearthed? So, I'm a director and certified financial planner here at Stratus Financial Group, and Brett Krub and I work together as executive share scheme strategists. I've been building my expertise in this area for the last seven years and came to realize that the biggest value we can add for our clients is to increase their knowledge around this complex topic and then provide them with access to all the related professional experts who we work with. Thanks, James. So today we're talking about executive share schemes, which we often hear also referred to as employee share schemes and short or long-term incentive plans. Within the RU space, we consider you to be one of our experts when it comes to executive share schemes, and you've demonstrated this time and time again with clients who I'm sure would agree with me. The story you're going to tell us today centers around a client who worked in numerous tax jurisdictions while they were being partially remunerated through their executive share schemes, and how a mistake was made by a third party that cost them a substantial amount of money that you discovered, fixed, and recovered. So we have a solid contextual understanding. Can you tell me about the client's circumstances and why they initially approached Stratus? Ultimately, these clients wanted to stop work and then be financially independent within a couple of years. For them, that meant that they then had the freedom to choose which projects they engaged in or not. They had a lot of complexity driven by having spent time working overseas and then having assets in Australia and their other countries that they had worked in along the way. After our initial discussions, they came to realise that they would need an advisor who could coordinate all of the required professional parties to manage their affairs. So for them, that included other advisors in foreign countries, tax advisors here in Australia and overseas, and then estate planning specialists that could understand and then handle all of their international affairs. Looking at their circumstances when they first met with us, they presented with a substantial portion of their wealth tied up in an executive share scheme in the company that they worked for at the time. And that's something that we see fairly regularly. 
They also had a reasonable asset pool they had accumulated outside of their share scheme, as well as some remaining debt on a property they owned. Okay, so James, because executive share scheme is a bit of a mouthful, I'm going to refer to it as ESS. From my perspective as new business manager, the scenario you've just described is one that we're seeing more and more with people seeking advice. Would you agree? Obviously, it's not the only client type we deal with regularly, but that presentation of current position is pretty familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So executives and roles who have seen them travel the world while also receiving executive share schemes then start to think about retirement and think, oh, wow, there's actually quite a bit I've accumulated all over the place. How am I going to bring all of that together before retirement? And then there's the whole taxation piece of it as well, and that often gets left by the wayside. So I understand one of the advice pieces they were looking for was with regard to their ESS. So can you tell me a bit more about what the process looks like for you and for the client? So for any of our executive clients with share schemes, it's absolutely vital that we get a good handle on what their current position is from both a high-level view And then also a detailed perspective, particularly regarding the tax position of every parcel of shares that they have been granted or acquired over time. Once we've built that picture of what their position looks like and we've worked in with the tax advisors in the right tax jurisdictions to confirm the tax position of each parcel of shares, then we're in a really great spot. So this is the right setting for our clients to receive informed advice and then for them to make informed decisions about their share scheme. When we work through this process, we need to collect and analyze all of the records available. And that includes documentation from the share scheme, grant investing documentation, plan rules, and tax returns to then build a comprehensive picture of what's in place. The plan rules and policies are particularly important where our client is in a high-level position with their company and they're then subject to things like trading blackout periods. For our clients, they don't necessarily see a lot of the the behind-the-scenes work and that's exactly what it should be. It's our job to take it off their plate and then sort everything out as much as possible so that when it comes down to it, their involvement is generally around providing the information and then making those informed decisions along the way. For example, when we have a vesting period. That in itself is not a small task. There's a whole lot of work that comes from sourcing that information for us. And that information request can go back for more than a decade, particularly if the scheme has been around for a period of time. There can also be times where we need to speak with someone at their company to collect or have a discussion about a particular piece of information. There can actually be quite a bit of work involved in order to find that right person and then have the corresponding discussions. Like a needle in a haystack. It sometimes can be. (laughs) Coming back to the particular case we're talking about with these clients, they raised a question around whether they paid the correct amount of tax on their share scheme. And I think it's worth pausing here to reflect on this question. So for this particular client, this query was not uncommon for us as the taxation of an executive share scheme over its life is one of the most commonly asked questions we receive about executive share schemes whether it be the amount of tax paid or whether it be which tax jurisdictions, there's tax liabilities, etc., that fall into those. There are a lot of tax laws which don't follow common sense and executive share schemes fall squarely under that banner. 
That's why we coordinate with specialist tax advisors who have the capability of confirming tax implications for our clients, as not all tax advisors have this expertise. This is something we don't compromise on. It is just not possible for us to deliver the advice these clients need without collaborating with the right tax professionals. Cool. Yeah, so it's really like putting a puzzle together. So you start with those corner pieces, which is all of the scheme documentation like plan rules, past grants and vestings, basically anything and everything the client can pass on, and that gives you your base. And then you outline your puzzle with the tax advice. So that's keeping everything structured in context of the tax implications of the scheme because it doesn't make sense to give advice on what to do at a point of vesting if you don't know how that's going to impact the client's tax position, whether that be at home or abroad. And then all the colour in the puzzle, that comes from the client's current circumstances and goals as well as those future scheme activities. Both interact constantly depending on where the client is in their life and what strategy makes sense for them but at all times is guided by what they can do and what makes sense for them to do within the scheme from a tax perspective. And in the greater scope of financial decisions, the client's always going to be able to make those decisions by themselves on where to put those pieces. But on some of the slightly more weird and technical aspects and those weird and technical pieces, you'll be able to help them figure out where they should go. And I think the only point of failure in that metaphor is the fact that there's only four corner pieces. So if we're, if we're thinking about the quantity of information you really need at the start of this process, it's more like 50, really. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really good metaphor for what we work to achieve with our clients. It's a long-term project. Some pieces might go missing along the way, and that is exactly why we're here. So we're here to try and put all those pieces together and get that complete puzzle. Great. Okay, so back to this client. Yeah, so one thing I haven't told our listeners yet is that in this particular case, the clients had spent time overseas with the same company and they were coming back to live in Australia. It's also worth mentioning that this is not an uncommon scenario for our executive clients because we often find that with our high-performing executives, there are overseas opportunities which come up from time to time and that could be anything from a temporary posting all the way through to a permanent move. The company that the client worked for at the time had in place what they call a tax equalization policy. And this is where a lot of complication occurs when receiving an executive share scheme while you're overseas. It's not that tax equalization policies are uncommon with multinational companies. It's that they add yet another level of complexity. So the aim behind tax equalization policies is that you continue to pay the same effective amount of tax you'd pay in your home country, even if the tax rates in the country you're seconded to are higher or lower. So this can impact executive share schemes in numerous ways, including a forced sale of shares at vesting to cover a hypothetical tax under the rules of the company's tax equalization policy. When we worked through the process of constructing the historical record of their executive share scheme position, we did come across a parcel of shares where the plan administrator had forced a sale on vesting to cover hypothetical taxes. Now, if the client was on secondment, that would have been expected However, in this particular case, the secondment had actually ended and the client was back in Australia at the time. When we worked through with the tax advisors, we collectively resolved that the withholding didn't appear to be correct. 
and that this wasn't picked up or rectified by the company-appointed tax advisor at the time when that tax return was completed. So just checking I've got this right, not only were a parcel of shares sold which would have impacted the client's asset position, but the proceeds of that sale went to pay a tax that wasn't necessary. Essentially, yes. Right. And the parcel of shares, roughly how much was that worth? So roughly speaking, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. So not a small amount by any means. Absolutely. That's definitely not what you want. So what did it take to resolve this and what was your role in the process? So the first step after suspecting the issue was to get this confirmed by working with a specialist tax advisor who understands executive share schemes. After we'd gone through this process, we brought this to the client's attention and then asked that they liaise with their HR department and then asked their HR department to liaise with us and the tax advisors. And what were the client's reactions to all of this happening? So as you could probably imagine, they were pretty upset by the situation. Executive share schemes do form a reasonable part of your overall remuneration and you'd like to have the confidence that it's going to be handled correctly. So when it doesn't, it can have lasting effects on your wealth accumulation and that can be pretty disappointing. It's not as if there's a quick fix here either. It's a quite a long process to have something like this rectified. Mm, I can imagine. So what happened next? So our role in the resolution was very hands-on once we had the contact details of the relevant person within the company. We provided all of the context, all of the supporting documentation to the company representative and then followed this up to the point of completion. Yeah, I saw a record of this. You had a huge number of emails back and forth as well as meetings with the company and the company's appointed accountants. So I can't imagine that was super straightforward in any aspect. And I also saw on a number of occasions you had to clarify things to the accountants on the other end that the company appointed accountants because they were misunderstanding. Exactly. What ended up happening here is that we were bounced from one person to another within the company until we found the right person and the company agreed that yes, an error was made and it would then be rectified. This was actually probably the easy part because the next part was us working with the company to make the payment back to the clients. Again, we were bounced all around the company to get the right person. And because we had a period of overseas service, that included people here in Australia and also people overseas as well. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder as well. When you think about these schemes, there's so much you don't see because it's all on like the online portals and everything. But ultimately, there are people running all of this and mistakes can easily happen. So what was the final resolution and how long did it take to get there? So the final resolution was a great outcome, but it definitely took time. So from the identification of the issue all the way through to resolution, we're talking almost a year before we ended up with a closed case. The outcome was that the clients received the funds back, which were incorrectly withheld. And the company also reimbursed the clients for the cost of our service and having these funds recovered. Again, to put this back into context, the amount incorrectly withheld was not a small amount. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. That's fantastic. What a great outcome. And I know it was really important to you that the clients weren't out of pocket for this time we spent fixing this issue, especially considering the origin of the problem. So how often do you see something like this? So we've now had a number of cases with executive share schemes where we've seen things go amiss that needed rectification. On some occasions, they've been due to similar reasons regarding tax equalisation policies for clients who had been on secondment. For others, they've been due to issues with a company's instructions or issues with a plan administrators. 
To give you a different example is where we've picked up an issue with the number of shares for a client under their scheme being lower than what they should have been. That was rectified when we brought that to the company's attention. And in one of the cases you just touched on, the issue was somewhat similar to the case we've just discussed, wasn't it? And took yet about another year to resolve. Ashley, didn't that happen right after this case? It certainly did. Uh, It was about two years back to back for both of those cases. Oh, fun times. It really does make a lot of sense as to why you do have that expertise within ESS. It's not something you can do a course on or learn about or from a client perspective, do it yourself. You have to really work in it, right? Applying your financial planning background, keeping the client informed, coordinating with the tax specialist to make sure you've got that accurate position, and then having to communicate that to the company and the company appointed accountant to make sure they're on the same page too. And unfortunately for executives with ESS, our research has indicated that they don't really have a lot of choice in where to seek advice on this because there are very few advisors with the level of expertise that you and Brett have in this field, which makes it even harder for them to get advice. Actually, if you want to know what happens if you receive bad advice about your ESS, I would recommend going to our website and reading the case study written by Craig Barry, who is our tax specialist. Craig was in a similar position to you, James, where he had to do significant work to help the client, but the whole situation was pretty unreal. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and had absolutely devastating consequences. So I have one more question to finish off today. You mentioned that you've seen this issue and a number of similar ones occur. Aside from seeking professional advice, which is going to be your best avenue in any case, what guidance would you give to an ESS recipient listening to this podcast who either is feeling unsure of their scheme or who has just started participating and wants to ensure they avoid this? So as you've mentioned, Maddie, you really just have to seek advice. There's a reason we have the education and experience that we do, and it's not something that you can usually solve by yourself. If you can't seek advice straight away for whatever reason, then start by collecting everything. So collect all of your vesting and grant documentation, all of the scheme rules and guidelines and all of the date information as well. The more information that you have to track everything, the better, particularly if you were to leave the company one day, whether it be your choice or not, at that point in time, you're likely to lose access to all the information you need. And that's where things can get really tricky. Realistically speaking, the chances are that if you are someone who's receiving an executive share scheme, you probably don't have the time to go tracking the complexity to ensure that you're making the right decision throughout the process and through the life of an executive share scheme. And the other side of that is that we know our clients who do receive executive share schemes are highly educated and intelligent people. They're very capable of dealing with complex issues But unfortunately, they don't have the ongoing experience with multiple schemes from multiple companies in order to be able to identify issues. This is where our experience can add significant value. Awesome. Thanks, James. And thanks so much for coming on this episode of Resourceful to tell a story from our site. I know we write quite a bit about ESS on our blog, but we don't usually talk about the details of what we do. So I've really enjoyed hearing more about this part of the process, and I'm hoping it's been enlightening for our listeners too. If there's someone listening who has any questions about their executive share scheme, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can reach out to us through resourceonearth.com.au or stratusfinancialgroup.com.au. Give us a call or send us an email and I'll be on the end of either one. Thanks for listening. And if you have a spare minute, we'd love it if you could leave us a review through your favorite app and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for watching this episode of Resourceful, Stories from the Site. 
We'll be back in a month with more tips and insight from other industry leaders. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on all the usual social channels and our website, resourcesunearthed.com.au. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode.